Hi there, and welcome back to the Energy Sector Heroes podcast. My name is Michelle Fraser, and every week I will speak with incredible people who share their lessons, experiences, and stories from their time spent in the energy sector. Hi there, and welcome back to the Energy Sector Heroes podcast. My name is Michelle Fraser, and every week I will speak with incredible people who share their lessons, experiences, and stories from their time spent in the energy sector. My guest today is Lee Griffith. Lee is an incredible and award-winning leadership and communication strategy coach. Lee, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Yeah, hi. Thank you for inviting me onto your podcast. So, uh, yeah, I'm Lee Griffith. I am the founder and director of Sunday Skies, which offers executive coaching and leadership communication strategy for chief executives and senior executives who I say want to maximize their leadership impact. So, for me, that is how do leaders connect with people through their vision and their strategy? How do they communicate confidently with the people they work with and their communities? And how do they manage themselves and set themselves up for success? So those are like my three ingredients for for the right impact as a leader. So that's what I do through Sunday Skies. My, My background, before I set up my business, I spent about 20 years working in corporate, quite a lot of it in the public sector um, and the NHS. And I was a director of communications and engagement there. So I'm taking my experience from that and bringing it into my business. Excellent. So how did you get started in your career? Well, it's, it's this sounds really cliche, but I always wanted to work in public relations of some sort. And I didn't, I hadn't like watched Ab Fab and thought I wanted the schmoozy lifestyle. It was more a case of I, I loved writing, I loved storytelling, and I wanted to see how I could help organizations and people within organizations to tell their stories. So even from when I was at school, really, before I even got to my A levels, I I realized that public relations could be the career that gave me that opportunity so I studied it at university and then started working in quite community focused organizations so I worked for an airport for a while and then I moved into the NHS so I never wanted to do the whole selling cornflakes to the public I wanted to work for organizations that had really strong roots with their communities and needed to needed the support of the communities in order to succeed so the NHS absolutely ticked that box for me. Excellent did you have any role models in your career and why did you find them inspirational? I mean I've had loads of role models in my career I think one of my earliest role models would have been one of my earliest bosses actually who became support and a mentor for me throughout my career I've always been drawn to leaders who I suppose buck the trend and one of the things I've learned through my career is that I think when I was younger and I first started in the world of work there was this perception to be a leader you had to be quite hard and you had to be quite directive and that never really it didn't fit with me. I'm an introvert. I'm quite quiet. I like to listen and take my time to think. And 
I just didn't trying to step into that space of becoming someone else that I thought I needed to be as a leader. I just didn't gel with that at all. So my role models were were the leaders who showed me that you can be yourself and you can be a bit different and you don't need to be this alpha character to succeed. Okay, thank you. Did you have any mentors during your career and what was the most important thing that they taught you? Yeah, I mean, as as I said, I had someone who was one of my earliest bosses who was a mentor to me throughout my career. I haven't had a formal mentor, but Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of people in my network who absolutely fulfilled the role of being a mentor. So someone that I can call up and run things past when I've been a bit stuck or need a different perspective and someone that could call me out on my BS if I'm if I'm too up in my own thoughts. So there's been quite a few people that have filled that role in my career. I've had formal coaches. Mm. So I've had business coaches and executive coaches when I was in my, my corporate career. And I think what what between those that have had the informal mentoring and those that have coached me, the biggest thing that I've learned through them is that. I suppose that belief in myself and that I can be myself and I shouldn't shy away from leaning into who I am. Excellent. You were saying before that you're an introvert. Mm. Has that hindered your style of management and communications? Has it been difficult? I think in the early days it did because I would listen to people saying, you need to talk more, you need to show up more in meetings, you need to be more vocal. And what they meant is I needed to be more extrovert. And I would struggle with that. And it would make me quite anxious at times thinking, because I'm not someone who likes to talk for the sake of talking. And the thought of sitting in a meeting and listening to people who were talking for the sake of talking used to really wind me up. And I didn't want to become that type of person. I think as I grew in my career and in my confidence, I realised that actually as an introvert, I've got really strong skill sets that I can bring. And a lot of introverted leaders do bring, which are things like really good at listening and hearing what is being said and what isn't being said and really good at thinking through strategy and the planning and all of that kind of stuff rather than the big cheerleader jazz hands which some people expect to see of leaders around around a board table or at a staff event or whatever so I think yeah the challenge that I used to get early on in my career around you need to be more vocal was actually them just saying that they wanted me to be more extrovert and then when I realized that I could my contributions when I contributed to a meeting people started to realize that I would speak when I had something to say and they they took more value in that and I think they paid more attention in the end no that's a really good really good answer because there's a lot of people that would be quite introverted I'm quite introverted myself and I find it sometimes quite difficult to if you're especially if you're in a meeting with a lot of a lot of the men male engineers mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. quite to stand up and be heard as a female sometimes I think if, especially if you're an introvert yeah yeah so I do find a lot of value in your answer it's it's a, it's an interesting one because there's a whole dynamic around females in the workplace as well oh. and there's evidence around 
a woman who talks more in a meeting is seen as being too chatty and bolshy. But if a man talks, he's showing authority and leadership. So there's a whole gender dynamic, far less the, the introvert dynamic. So, But you look at some of the big big leaders of countries and businesses, mm. Steve Jobs, Barack Obama, they're all introverts. Interesting. Yeah, they are. There's a brilliant book that I recommend and, and give to quite a few of my clients. Well, there's two books, actually. One called Quiet by Susan Cain, which is all about the power of the introvert. And then there is a book called The Confidence Code by Kitty Kay and Claire Shipman. And that is about women and the concept of women and confidence and being an introvert and confidence. So I'd highly recommend those two books for anyone that's interested. Yeah, because it can be quite it can be quite difficult as a female if you are introverted to try and push through to be yeah. yeah. What is the most challenging thing about your current role and how do you handle it? I think actually it's probably linked to, to the conversation we've had about being an introvert. So my my background, even though I've worked in communications and PR for all of my career. I've been used to being behind the scenes and helping other people to promote themselves. So I think my biggest challenge running my business now is the fact that I'm the face of my business and I'm the one that has to be out there. I'm the one that does the interviews or has to be on the face of selling my my products. And that has been a, yeah, really, really pushed me out of my comfort zone and made me do things that I would never have considered even three years ago. You would have never got me on a podcast three years ago. <laughs> no, you would have never have got me in a podcast even, yeah, three years ago either. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything is possible. <laughs> Anything is possible if you put your mind to it. Yes, it is. I do agree with that. Yes. How does your current role compare to your aspirations as a young girl? I mean, I never thought that I would be running my own business. I mean, I've always assumed I'd be working for, for other companies. And even when I've seen friends and colleagues that have gone off and done their own thing, it just, it never, never appealed to me at all. And then I went through this this period of facing I, su- I suppose it was a, a case of burnout, really, and felt quite disillusioned in, in my role. Mm. I just quit suddenly. I had this moment of clarity that the only thing, nothing was going to change unless I changed the circumstances that I was in. And so I quit and I had no plans of what I was going to do. And I assumed I was just, going, my husband said to me, just watch all of Netflix. You'll get really bored and then you'll figure out what you want to do next. I did that. I got really bored, but I'd always assumed I'd go back and work for another organization. But then I realized taking that time off, looking after myself, kind of getting myself back to my, you know, what I felt was my true self. I realized that I'd go back to where I was and didn't like if I went to work for another organization. So I ended up setting up my own business, which was the best decision I ever made, but I would never have never have imagined that when I first started out in my career when you were thinking about quitting it must have been quite scary to do because it is quite scary for anybody to leave to leave their job and not really have a plan about what they're going to be doing next how did you handle that I'd love to say it did feel scary but I think I was at that point that I'd 
probably for I don't know, 12 to 18 months leading up to the point that I quit, I was unhappy and I changed roles. I went to a new organisation and thought that that would be the difference. And then I soon realised that, that that wasn't actually, I've just moved the same problems and the same issues mm. and almost amplified them because I went somewhere else that had, that was a bit toxic and had, had its own issues. And, um, I think I was so it was only that I we went we went on our honeymoon and I had three weeks off of work and I didn't realize how tired I was until I went away and I actually stopped and I switched off from work and that's when I thought about it and thought I can't keep doing I can't keep doing it this and I was chatting it through with, with my husband and he was the one that suggested just don't do it <laughs> and I was like well, okay and at the point that I made the decision that I was going to quit I mean we've, we were very fortunate that we don't have dependents or anything like that so I could financially make quite a clean cut in that way but it was such a weight lifted off of me I knew it was, I knew it was the right thing straight away because I just felt lighter in and of myself. And as soon as I got back from, from the holiday that first week, I went straight in, handed in my notice, negotiated a, a shorter leaving period. And never once did I feel scared about what I was going to do. And it might, and lots of people said to me, oh, you're really brave. And, you know, you're not worried. And, and I just think I was so relieved to be out of the situation I was in that it didn't even cross my mind what I was going to do next. I think it's incredibly, but it was an incredibly brave move. I think now I'm like, oh, was it? <laughs> I think now I'd be a bit more. Now I've got clarity. I, I do recognise it was quite a bold step to make, and not necessarily one I'd recommend to other people if if they don't have the securities that I had in place at the time. Yeah, I don't regret it. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. I just wondered what makes an outstanding hire. If you were going to hire someone, your knowledge and your expertise in your area of work is almost a given and it gets you so far in your career. So for me, I'm always looking for the extra stuff. So I hate the term soft skills, but things like communications, being able to listen, showing empathy, those are things that I think are really important in anyone that I've hired in my team or when I even work with other leaders and they're looking at the shape of their own leadership teams we make sure that we're pulling out what are the broader skills that they're going to bring rather than just their expert area that they've spent years building up because you need someone that's going to be able to go out and connect with people you need someone that's going to understand the nuances of the organisation and the context that you're working in. You need someone who is going to be able to manage themselves and have a bit of self-discipline and be good with their own I suppose, commitment to learn and to develop and to drive themselves to grow, I suppose. I think for me, they're the most important skills in anyone. Okay. No, thank you. That's good advice. Have you had any career disasters? Yeah. I wouldn't say disasters. I've worked on many disasters in the public sector, like responding to disasters, but nothing that I would term a career disaster. There's definitely been mistakes and there's been things that I wish I'd handled differently, but I think every situation I've learned from. So 
I don't think I would ever classify something as a, a an out and out disaster because there's probably been some growth in there for me. I think one of the one of the things that probably stick in my mind in terms of that moment when your heart and your stomach drop to the floor and you think, oh my God, was many, many, many years ago, Twitter had just started to take off as a channel that people were using. And one of my team sent a tweet out that wasn't wholly appropriate. And I was on crawl over a weekend and it just blew up and became completely viral. And we, I mean, like internationally viral. <laughs> and I didn't realise what was happening. I just kept getting all these notif- notifications on my phone pinging. And it was, and it was like vitriolic what people were saying. How dare you say this? And I was like, oh my God, what have we done? What have we done? And that was the moment that I thought, oh God, yeah, we're going to become a meme. We're going to become a joke. I can't believe we've, we've done this. And thankfully we, we were able to recover the situation, but it it's it definitely taught me a lesson about the power of social media quite early on. And it was one of those moments, as I say, where my stomach just dropped because I, thought I had visions of we were going to be over the news and all sorts just for a really stupid error that, that we made. It must be hard working in the industry that you do. Everybody is almost like all your eyes are on, or are on you. So if you do something wrong, it's going to be noticed. That must yeah. be incredible pressure. It's it's a really hard. It's it, the public sector and the NHS in particular do some amazing things, and you want to celebrate and share the successes of what people do. You want to show that the life behind the organizations and the people that work in the organizations and all of that but you've got to you've got to balance that with the fact that the people who are using your services are going some of them will be going through really you know you're getting life and death so you've got people who are having really joyous moments interacting with your services and you have people that are having the absolute worst of times using your services and you don't always get it right as well. And so sometimes you can do something with the best of intentions and it can come across as heartless or glib or whatever to people who perhaps aren't having the best experience with you or are going through something really difficult. So that I think is a challenge to always be really mindful of how everyone's eyes are on you and what they might be taking from a situation. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you. What is your zone genius? What are you most good at? I think my biggest strength is helping other people to get clarity in their thinking and then connecting their thinking to to actions, I suppose, and taking people with them as they deliver those actions. That was what I loved doing in my corporate career when I worked in the public sector. And when I was setting up my business that I do now, I did one of those Venn diagrams, you know, what I really loved doing, what other people thought I was great at, and the things that overlapped became my business, really. And and that at the core of it was was around helping leaders to to get really clear on their thinking and to be able to communicate that in a way that, that other people got. Okay, thank you. What does your average week look like? I mean, I 
been quite conscious when I've set up the business that I wanted to work in a way that gave me as much flexibility as possible. So I split the way I work, that I have time where I'm working in the business and time that I'm working on the business. And that is a concept that I used to do in my corporate role as well, was making sure I had thinking time and strategy time and all of that to develop as well as doing the stuff that I had to do in the job. So I, that's what that's how I structure my working week at the moment. I'll spend Mondays as a, I call it an office day, but that's when I do my big thinking. That's when I might be writing my content, doing strategy development, working on maybe new products or services that I'm offering. I do all that on a Monday and then I spend a couple of days a week doing my client facing work, which can vary from half day strategy sessions with someone where we're working through their working through their plan to start a new job, for example, or it could be a one-to-one coaching session with someone who's just trying to navigate their way through life and through work at the minute. So I, I have a mixture of that. I also have my own podcast that I do. So a chunk of my week is spent recording that, editing that and promoting the episodes as they come out. Okay. I just wondered, is it more challenging working for yourself than working for an organisation? I don't think so. I think one of the challenges when you work in an organisation, particularly if you work in a larger organisation that perhaps has a lot of regulations around, which I'm sure you you get that in the energy sector, it's very similar to, to the health sector. There is a lot of governance stuff that you need to follow. There's a lot of bureaucracy that you need to process and that can become really frustrating. And the health sector was hugely political with a big and a little p, I'd say. Um, and I just don't have any of that with my with my own role. I can work with whom I want to work with and I can work on what I want to work on. So, yeah, there's different challenges of running your own business, but I, d- I don't think the frustration that I felt certainly working in an organisation is, uh, I don't get that now. <laughs> Excellent. No. It sounds like you're really happy working for yourself now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love, I miss the camaraderie of working in a big team and feeling part of an organisation. I miss the, you know, the brilliant stuff that people and the organisations would do that I worked with. And you would see, or you could see quite immediate impacts to the work that you were doing. So that was that was brilliant. So there are lots of things I miss, but I just try to replicate that in a different way in my own business. So in the communications, what do you see are the biggest problems that people make? I think the problems that I tend to see from a leadership perspective around communications is that they don't have a clear narrative. And when I say narrative, it's always a good idea to have a few key messages that you can easily summarise whatever it is that you're working on. So whether it's your big picture vision or whether it's a specific project you're working on, being able to summarise that in a really clear and simple way that if you were sat down with your nan or you know someone down the chip shop that you could articulate what it is that you're doing and that they'd understand it. And I think one of the 
struggles that leaders often find is that they try to put too much detail in. They try to make things sound a bit more complicated to justify <laughs> the the maybe the work or the seniority that they're they're working at. They don't think about the people who's they're trying to reach with their messages. So they'll come at it from a very personal point of view of what they want to achieve rather than thinking, what is it that these people, what are the questions I need to answer for them? What What's going to be important to them? How am I making sure I'm solving the problems that matter most? Whereas a leader, not always, but often can go from the point of, this is what I want people to do. So they they come at it from the wrong angle. And that's when they fail to take people with them. Interesting. That's good, quite good advice. I just wondered, what type of work do you always delegate? Well, now I am a one-man band, so I, I can't delegate anything as much as I'd probably love to. But I do try to automate as much as possible. So I've I try to create systems to make things happen without me needing to put loads of man hours in. I think when I was in my corporate role I would use tools like the Eisenhower matrix you know when you do the whole what's important and what's urgent and then you work out do you need to ditch it delegate it defer it or do it yourself so that I find a helpful tool and I use that quite often with with people that I work with when they're feeling really overwhelmed with all the tasks that they've got to do and I always tend to say as a as a leader, whether you lead it within an organization or you're running your own business, you need to focus on the things that only you can do and that are aligned to your priorities. And often we can procrastinate by getting down into the weeds and doing a whole load of actions that aren't necessarily moving the dial. And those are the things that you can maybe automate or if you've got a team of people, you can delegate. Thank you. I think I've asked all your questions. I've got a closing question. If you could turn back time, what would you change? Would you change anything at all? I, I wouldn't change anything because I think this might sound a bit woo, but we we kind of end up where we end up because of where we've navigated to get to that point. So I think I've learned from from all the things that have happened. I do think if I was to go back and give myself advice, I would tell myself to have more confidence to lean into me a lot earlier. So going back to that early conversation we had about being an introvert and being quietly confident and knowing that that's okay, you can still succeed and be a successful leader, even though you've got some attributes that some people make you feel aren't the right attributes to lead. Absolutely isn't true. So I think that would be the thing I would go back and tell myself a lot earlier just don't feel like you've got to follow the crowd or this old stereotypical view of what it means to be a leader. I think there's there's a, so much that's happened in the last, even the last two or three years to show that workplace is changing, the context in which we're all operating is changing, people's expectations are changing. And I think as leaders, we need to embrace what we can bring into our workplace a lot more. Good advice. That's all the questions I have today. I would like to thank Lee for your time. That brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Thank you. 
that brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I'd like to gently encourage you to leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with another person. You can also follow me on LinkedIn or via my website, www.michellefraserconsultancy.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.